Hello, and thank you for listening to the Tech Girls Podcast. This is Trisha Walsh, your Tech Girls Podcast host. On this podcast, we will explore women and girls in technology. We'll hear their stories, dreams, challenges, and triumphs. Welcome to the Tech Girls Podcast. Today we are talking with Rathi Murthy. She is the CTO at Gap Inc., headquartered in San Francisco, California. Hello, Rathi. Welcome to the Tech Girls Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'd like to start with a little background. Can you tell us about your upbringing, where you were born, and where you attended primary school? I was born in Bangalore, India, which is today known as the software capital of India. When I grew up in India, nobody knew computers, and I was born in a family of builders, so no one in my family uh, knew or worked with uh, technology to a large extent. Uh, I studied in, a, did my undergrad in Bangalore, and I was one of three women who graduated from the class of 120. So I grew up predominantly in India and came to the U.S. to do my master's uh, in computer engineering. Could you tell us one of your earliest experiences with technology? When I was growing up, like I mentioned, I grew up in a family of builders and my father and his entire family of brothers together would build apartments in Bangalore. And I observed how they would struggle to bring clients in and book their apartments as Mm. they were constructing and trying to sell it. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very manual process. And it always intrigued me of why can't I connect people faster and show them images of this place versus bringing them in here and showing them and walking them through each and every building. Can I not reserve and make bookings in a much smarter way? This was when I was very young, when I just about started uh, engineering school and undergrad, and I was determined to change the way people did their day-to-day work. I also had my grandfather, um, my mother's father, he was the first psychiatrist in India, Mm. and he started the first concept called nursing homes Mm. in Bangalore. And I learned from him that, uh, you know, you could be an entrepreneur and kick off new ideas and new concepts. So that was my first start, start of business and start of thinking about technology. And I built my first application that would accept requests from people who are looking to buy a home when I was 18. What was your uh, major when you entered college? I I did my undergrad in Dublin, electrical engineering. After school, whether it was uh, here in the U.S. or in India, what was your first job in technology? I came to the U.S. to do my computer engineering master's. So I did not actually uh, have a job prior to graduating Hmm. from my master's. After I graduated from master's, I got hired. I joined Informics as a software engineer. Is there anything about that first job that you miss? So I think that aspect of learning, everything was new to me. I was very excited to learn from a whole bunch of women leaders. In fact, my manager, my manager's manager and the VP of the group were all women leaders. So I really learned a lot about how to grow up 
and be a strong woman leader. And that I miss. I am nowadays surrounded by uh, predominantly men, the only woman in the room, mm-hmm. and I miss that. Can you summarize for us your role as Chief Technology Officer at Gapping? So as a CTO here, I am responsible for most of the engineering of the platform and the operations at Gap. So we at Gap build a platform that supports um, all our five brands, Old Navy, Banana Republic, Gap, Atleta, and Intermix, and most recently, Weddington Bay. Uh, we build the platform with capabilities to power our brands. In your job as CTO, what does a typical day look like for you? I don't have a typical day. That is, I think, the most exciting part of my job. Uh, my day changes based upon the need of the hour. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's focused on uh, external connections, uh, stepping outside and talking to the community and other leaders about what we do in technology at Gap. Sometimes it is working closer with the partners in-house, so our vendors and trying to set the stage of our expectations from them and or understand what our competitors and others in our space are doing so I can stay abreast with technology. And a lot of the times it's focused on really diving deep with our teams in-house, focused on our implementation and our strategy and building our platform. So it just varies um, every day. I walk in every day uh, not knowing what I'm getting into and take the day as it comes. Highlighting some of the recognitions you've received, they include in 2014, you were awarded CloudNow's Top Woman in Cloud Innovation by both the judges and People's Choice. In 2015, you were recognized as the most influential woman in payments. And in 2017, you're listed in the 12 Women CTOs to Watch by Hackbright Academy. What do you attribute these recognitions to? I actually would attribute a lot of this to having strong sponsors and strong mentors uh, in my life. In all these uh, awards, there always has been somebody else in my life that's pushed me forward to whether it was a cloud now. I remember um, my boss, um, Neil Sample, he was uh, very instrumental in making sure that I participated in the event and got me out there. He encouraged me speaking in every outside forum to get my name out there Mm. and promote myself while he promoted me as well. So I actually think a lot of people outside in the society have been instrumental in helping me get myself out there. I also would say there's something in me that... uh, I strongly believe a lot of us women leaders need to get ourselves out there and show success so we can inspire other women leaders to dream big mm-hmm. and get us get their name out there too. So that's that aspect of me that pushes me even when I don't have time to go out there and speak just to represent other women leaders. Could your teenage Rathi have imagined this life and career? Believe it or not, many people who see me today can't recognize me Mm. from the past. Mm. The teenage Rati was very shy, very quiet. I was afraid to speak in public, and I usually Mm. shied away from crowds. Mm. 
uh, I think I have come a long way. I owe a lot of that to actually my husband who pushed me. Uh, when I came to the U.S., I was still a very shy girl. Mm-hmm. I was used to being protected by my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, my husband pushed me when I was in master's and I would cry when uh, I felt I was being taken advantage of in group projects. I remember an event where I came home crying saying, I have to do everybody's work in a mm-hmm. group project. And if I didn't do that, I was going to get a C. Right. And he said, you're going to have to go stand up and fight your own battles and fight and get what you need in this world. And I think that was a turning point. Mm. And I transformed from that teenage Rati to what I was, to what I am today. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Rathi about women in technology today. This episode of the Tech Girls podcast is brought to you by all the amazing contributors to our Indiegogo campaign. We want to especially recognize our givers at the Tech Girls champion level. They are Cindy and Steve Walsh, Lauren and Fermin Mata, Sonia Dillon, Dave Walsh, and Yvette Romero Aguilera. A special thank you goes out to Jim McAway, who contributed at the Tech Girls superstar level. Thank you all for sharing our vision of bringing the stories of girls and women in technology to this podcast. We are back. We will be talking to Rothy about women in technology today on the podcast Tech Girls. So, Rathi, when someone uses the phrase women in technology, what does it mean to you? For me, I've actually thought a lot about this. And I hear people say, does your gender come first in the room? Does your competency come first in the room or your race come in the room? You know, for me, it's always technology. It's always competency. So when it is women in technology, I just believe we bring in new competencies. We bring in new thought and diversity in our thought and our uh, leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And that's what comes to the table. It's not the gender and it's not the race. According to a recent article in The Guardian, research conducted with over 2,000 university students reveals that only 3% of female students would consider a career in technology as their first choice. The most common explanation? Many felt they didn't have enough information about what a career in tech could involve. Others felt that the tech sector simply wasn't creative enough. As a woman leader in technology today, how do we address this? This is a real problem, and that's why I say that um, it gets very lonely as you move up the ladder, especially for us women. We need more women at all levels of our stack. There's a few things that I've been trying to do, and I think a lot of us need to do this together. One, technology is about the most innovative today. Every field relies on technology. It's not just pure tech companies. Whether you talk about finance, you talk about retail, the space we are in, any area, biotech, hospitals, insurance, every company relies on technology as their competitive advantage to leapfrog forward. And we need to be able to articulate that story and tell that story loud and clear so all our children 
get to understand that this is the future of the universe and this is where creativity begins. So uh, I think that's a myth and we can help with that. The second is we need to start young. We need Mm -hmm. to work with the high schoolers. We need to get girls more interested in science um, and math and make that fun and show that women who do science and math and are engineers are not just nerds but also know how to have fun. So we need to make technology more fun and attractive to our students and youth. And there's a lot of programs happening out there in the industry and we just all need to embrace that and bring them to show them how the workplace is and encourage them to take this path. Mm -hmm. And I would say the third is we need to continue to mentor and sponsor other women in our workplace. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get carried away with the day-to-day work and we don't do enough of that. I constantly feel that this is an area I need to invest more of my time. The more we can sponsor, the more we can mentor, we will bring these women up at all levels of our stack. So not just looking at hiring more women, Mm -hmm. but also providing programs in-house to grow our women. They found that only a little over one-fifth of students, roughly 22%, could name a famous female working in technology, whereas two-thirds of all students in their study could name a famous man working in technology. You talked about mentoring and sponsorship, but what else could we do to further promote women technologists to improve these numbers? You know, as a gender, I think this is a trait we all uh carry with us we don't know how to toot our own horn Mm. we don't like publicity we shy away from that I do too and it's it's just been an area that I have forced myself to try and cultivate that you get your name out there and you're okay being broadcast you actually go out and you speak to I am the CTO at Gap. I even today shy away and call myself an SVP. I'm comfortable with that versus mm-hmm. CTO. Mm-hmm. There's something inherent that we don't like to go and uh, showcase our titles and our seniority and right. stand up and take that as something that is necessary for the world to see. Mm-hmm. I think we just need to do that a lot more and we need to get our names out there. Um, that's something I take for myself. But in addition, I think uh, something, Trisha, that you have done is working on bringing girls into the company so they start seeing us, stronger women and leaders. I think that's something every company can adopt too. Are there women working in leadership roles today in technology that you look to for inspiration? A lot. I mean, Mm. Sheryl Sandberg, for sure, is one of the uh, most inspiring women leaders I hear. And I constantly uh, listen to some of those podcasts. And I know that's something I listen to on a regular basis, Courageous Leaders and their podcast shows. I look at almost every leader. It doesn't have to be necessarily only women, but I do listen to a Mm -hmm. bunch of women. There's some women leaders who have started startups Mm -hmm. recently, especially the whole promo that's been going on. I've been looking at them. I've been looking at, for example, uh, a woman leader I've worked with recently. There are lots of inspiration you glean from these leaders who are trying to break the ground rules and really get up there and create a brand and a name and a space for themselves Mm -hmm. out in the industry that is 
difficult for us. So there's a lot. Cheryl is, of course, my leading. I'm going to switch gears and move over to life is not just our work. Tell us about some of the ways you spend your time away from the office. So in my free time, so weekends, I spend time uh, teaching uh, yoga and meditation in our mm-hmm. community. So I am an art of living teacher and I do spend time reaching out to the community. The whole vision is to build a stress-free, violence-free society. And I think today, in today's world, that's the biggest need of the hour. The more I see all of the shooting in Las Vegas and around us, I think it's really important to teach people, give them tools to help them deal with the stress and pressures of life without resorting to violence. How did you find the art of living in the work of Sri Sri Shankar? It was in 2002. Um, I was working for a small startup uh, in 2002. I was one of the early engineers and leaders in the startup. With the dot-com bust, I was um, forced to do a big layoff. And as you can imagine, in a startup, I'd brought in all of my friends. There was a lot of the people who I'd worked with and cared for for a, a very, very long time. And that layoff was hard for me emotionally and um, mentally. I struggled a lot with it. That's when I came upon this flyer that said art of living and art of breathing. And in some weak moment, I said, I wonder what this is and maybe it can be helpful. And I took the course and I think that changed my life because it really brought a fresh perspective and helped me accept each moment as it is. And then I was able to keep my composure and I realized if I was calm, I was able to do more for the people than to feel emotionally challenged and I was just not able to respond to the situation. Um, And that's when I got hooked onto this. So one of my follow-up questions was going to be how has mindfulness uh, changed your life? In a big way, I think the world is recognizing this today. Mm -hmm. If you're not mindful, you're just reacting to every situation when you are mindful and you're conscious and you're able to see and accept the world as it is the people situations everything as is this is what it is these are my cards dealt today how can I best play my cards I think that's what makes us courageous often as leaders driving innovation It's fear that gets in the way of innovation. And if you can't address that, and if you're afraid of what's to come in the future, you can't really drive transformation. So I find that being mindful has helped me be a courageous leader Mm -hmm. and take on challenges that has helped me, in fact, grow to the level I am. So I would attribute a lot to Mm -hmm. that mindfulness is actually connecting with yourself that helps you connect better and authentically with others and that relationship building and that uh, community is what makes you a good leader as well so I think mindfulness is taken too lightly as a pastime it actually helps us in being stronger leaders We are going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Rathi about the future of technology. So stay tuned for the Tech Girls podcast. 
Hello, listeners. I wanted to take this break to talk a little bit about the lessons learned so far in making this podcast. If you listened to episode one, you will realize we had not yet learned the art of bringing up soft voices to a conversational volume. Awesome folks out there in internet land offered up some great tips on how to improve on that, which you will notice from this episode. The other lesson that we were not able to correct is some of the background bumping sounds you hear on this episode with Rathi. Often, they coincided while someone was speaking, so it made it really difficult to edit out. If we had years of sound editing experience instead of just hours, maybe... Thank you for coming along for our journey, and now back to Tech Girls, the podcast. We are back with the Tech Girls podcast, talking to Rathi about the future of technology. So, Rathi, where do you see technology taking us in the next three to five years? Like I mentioned earlier, Trisha, the uh, technology is now the competitive advantage for no matter which vertical you talk about, whether it is um, retail, medicine, finance, anywhere you talk about technology is taking over the way we do and lead our day-to-day life. That being said, with the whole uh, growth of artificial intelligence, big data, connected experiences across the board, I think there's a lot that can happen. You look at the self-driving cars, you look at how technology is truly looking to change the way we live our day-to-day lives. I think it can go in any any place. While people look at technology truly as a game changer in terms of eliminating a lot of the routine and mundane jobs, I think of technology as also the table stakes for people to accept and really update their skills to do things differently. Beyond that, what do you see in the next 10 to 20 years? It's really hard to tell. With artificial intelligence, I think decisions will be made without human interaction all over the map. I actually see a landscape that is definitely going to be removing and eliminating human minds from the puzzle for all kinds of regular activities that we can vision today. We see connected lives, like even in the retail space, as we're talking about retail, the way we are looking at shopping, changing. Today, it's online and retail. The way we are looking at people interacting with our stores is going to change dramatically. Over the next five to 10 years, I think it's going to be a huge pivot in the way we move our businesses, leveraging the connected data we have, the practices, our shopping behaviors, our spending patterns, what people are buying, our ability to predict the next sale with our machine learning. All of this is really going to start showing over the next five to 10 years. I can't even see 20 years, like where we will be with all of these. What is one global issue you wish we could begin to solve with technology? My passion is, again, the stress-free, violence-free. One of the areas I've been uh, thinking is, why can't I figure out how we... Uh, automate the whole gun control in the country like can we look at people's background and based on that enable them you know with the whole um, ability to say can they own and possess a gun or not based upon data based upon machine learning based upon 
patterns in that society based upon areas i feel very bad about how we have uh, anybody yeah how we have given them the ability to possess a gun this has led to a lot of bad in the society so talking about using technology to bring us to a stress free and violent free um is there someone in particular you would collaborate with to bring it to life i would love to call upon a lot of the people who are working in this space there is of course i know art of living is in this space but there's a lot of other organizations today like i said mindfulness is such a big a piece of our puzzle there are a lot of leaders driving this and striving for the same end result i would love to leverage all of them to put this together in the second closer to home i think i also have a passion to see how we can create a stress free corporate america how can we build processes and software in our own workplace that promotes calm well intended behaviors in house that leads to greater outcomes there's a lot of proof saying happier employees are three times more productive than not happy employees there's also a lot saying that you get better results when you don't have this whole in house com- competition the competition is outside so let's not step over each other to win this game let's collaborate with each other to really win this game i would love to build something leveraging technology some kind of fun gaming experience that really helps promote this collaboration that promotes happiness in addition to really accomplishing our mm-hmm. results tell us about a work of art that has influenced you in your life you know one of the uh, movies that i actually i still have real fond memories and it's really an odd thing but roman holiday and when i saw that movie i still have this uh, fondness in my head where she you know in in roman holiday she steps out of her uh, home and her palace and she goes out and she's a free bird uh, and enjoys life to the fullest and that is something i've always taken away mm-hmm. as a leaf no matter what stress i have in the workplace how difficult life may be i am committed to have fun all the way through life is about being uh, having fun and being free rathi it was a pleasure to talk with you today i'm so grateful for your time thank you for joining us on thank tech girls podcast thank you very much The music you are enjoying right now is composed by Susan Davis Warren and recorded by Matt Sebaslian for the Tech Girls podcast. <laughs>